New Year's. Happy New Year's. 2017. Now, when I say this, these younger people don't even get it. But, man, I remember when I used to be young, and I looked at 2000 and thought, we'll never get there. And then when we started getting close, it was really scary because Y2K. How many of you remember Y2K? The world was coming to an end as we know it. Another false alarm. Imagine that. And here we are in 2017. I was thinking this morning how close we're getting to 2020, 2025, should the Lord tarry. It's amazing. Happy New Year, 2017. I asked a guy Saturday morning, we were meeting with a man, and I said, well, you ready for New Year's? And he goes, ho-hum, just another day. And in a sense, I understand completely, Right? How, what makes today so different than yesterday? Well, believe it or not, there are a few things. And one of the biggest things is 2017 and today still has all kinds of potential. 2016, the potential has either been wasted or used. I hope it was used. But 2017 is filled with potential for every single one of us. Man, we can look back at 2016 and and some of us can go, oh, thank you, Lord, that it's over with. But you know what? There's still consequences of a lot of those things that happened in 2016. And depending on how we look at things, where we put our confidence and trust, those things from 2016 can still have significant impact on 2017. And some of them we want to have significant impact on 2017, because some of those things, even some of the things that weren't so pleasant, are kind of like a launching pad in our, in our spiritual walk. And there are other things that the enemy will try to use to hold you back, bringing back those things from 2016, and we start all of a sudden living in that place of the past, living in that place where there may be fear or guilt or shame or such deep pain. We, we, we can remember when we couldn't hardly breathe in the midst of that pain. And the enemy can use those things. But the Lord promises that he will take all those things, whatever they were, and work them for good in our lives as we allow him to. Even though I I sometimes, and I'm sure you're the same way, sometimes I look at him and it's like, I must need different glasses because I just can't see the good in this yet. But it's coming. My title of my message this morning is simply this, Seize the Moment. Seize the Moment. The moment. This week I was thinking about a scripture in Jeremiah 29 11, one that many of you are probably very familiar with. It says this I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord speaking. And he says, They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you hope. I have plans for you. Now, Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied these words in the exact context of it. He was speaking to the exiles, the Jewish people that had been exiled into captivity for many, many years. And he he speaks this word of hope and promise to these Old Testament people of God. And it's interesting, if I would have put the scriptures on on the uh, overhead, it goes further and he says these things. You will come to me in prayer, and I will listen to your prayers. And then he adds this last caveat that it says, 
And when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And when I look at that, I connect that first part of the promises of that prophetic word to the last part as if it says, and here's the key to unlock it. When you search me with all of your heart, you will discover the plans that I have for you, plans that are good, plans that are to prosper you, plans that are not designed to bring disaster. And you will live in those blessings. And when I say blessings, a lot of us go right to material things. I don't even want to go there. The spiritual blessings of finding him when we search for him with our whole heart. And it's not as if finding him is the hard part. It's controlling our heart that's the hard part. Making sure that our heart doesn't become divided and all of a sudden we're chasing all these other things at the expense of the one thing. Seizing the moment. So this morning I want to share just a few things with you and hopefully to encourage you in your Christian walk. Because if you're a Christian, you have a Christian walk. And if you're a Christian, regardless of how you've been walking, it's supposed to be a Christian walk. Now, a lot of us, and me included, we have times when we think about things and thoughts like this come into our mind. It's like, boy, have I blown it. I've blown it. There is so much that I do not understand about being a Christian. I'll never get there. And as we start having these thoughts, we're beginning to disqualify us from this Christian walk. You ever said to yourself, will I ever learn from my my lesson from these experiences? I keep doing the same thing over and over. You know, can I even be a really, really be a Christian if I'm so easily tempted and I so easily give in to those temptations? And if we start going down that path, we are adding qualifications to the call of God to follow him that he has not written or declared. Then that's the good news. Because Jesus never asked anyone to get their act together before you follow him. Praise God. Can you imagine? Follow me, Mike, as soon as you get your act together. He might as well put this stamp on me that says, Condemned to hell right there. Because my act will never get together. He never has asked any of you or me to get our act together first. Thank goodness. And he has never said something like, Mike, I know your past. You need to go back and fix all your mistakes. And when you're done, come follow me. Oh, my goodness. I would have to have eternal life to go back and fix all those mistakes. But he's never asked us to do that before we follow him. It's never been a requirement. Here's one. Mike, you need to memorize the word and get your theology in proper order and then come and follow me. I mean, golly, you ever said anything like that? As soon as I get my act together, well, I just don't know enough. I, I, I don't understand the Bible. He never says that. We add these things to God's requirement or his calling as if we know better than him. Thank goodness we don't. He never says, straighten out the mess that your life is and then come follow me. 
Never does. Here's what he calls us to do. He says, come, follow me, and we'll straighten things out together. Come and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. We are to be Christ followers. If we call it, declare that we're Christians, what does that mean? That means I am a follower of Christ. And I think we need to remind ourselves then explicitly, what does that mean? I am a follower of Christ. This may shock you coming from a pastor, but he didn't call you to come to church every Sunday. That's not why he called you. He didn't call you to be a nicer person than you used to be. That's not why he called you. He didn't even call you so he could send you to Africa somewhere to some tribe in the jungle and be the first white person there to lead him to Jesus. That's not why he called you. He says, come and follow me. That is a generic, if you like that term, calling for all of us. Do we have specific callings that are going to come out of that? Of course we do. But I believe it's like Jeremiah's prophetic word. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. When you follow me in response to my calling, my simple calling to follow me, you will discover your specific calling. You know, the Lord has really given Alan some words about calling and discovering our calling as a church and as individuals in the church for 2017. And I believe that. But I believe it's going to come out of the root of following him and seeking him with all your heart. It is so easy to get distracted with something that seems so good, like, I think God's calling me to this, and he may be. But all of a sudden, our focus shifts from following Jesus to trying to find and follow our calling. You keep following Jesus, all of that will become clear, whatever that specific calling is. And we have gotten so we have got so many talents and giftings in this body that I know we are just barely experiencing the fullness of your specific callings. And I believe the key to unlocking that is following Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. Quit disqualifying ourselves by adding all this other stuff. You know, <clears throat> the 12 disciples were anything but perfect. Just pick a few little details out of their lives. They were proud. We all know what God says about pride, right? He resists the pride, the proud, and gives grace to the humble. They were proud. As a matter of fact, one day they were walking with Jesus as they were heading back to Galilee, kind of his home base, and it says they're teaching. They're, 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 he's teaching them as they're walking. But then we get to the house, Jesus kind of looks at them and goes, Hey, guys, you weren't really paying attention the whole time. What were you talking about and arguing about on the road? Boy, that shut him up right there because what they were doing was what? arguing about which one of them was greatest. They were proud. Pride that had to be dealt with. Overconfident, especially our good buddy Peter. You know, Peter, after the Last Supper, after Jesus himself says these words, you will all fall away. 
Peter steps up and says, Lord, you used to be right all the time, but you really missed that one because if even if everybody else falls away, I will never fall away. Man, can you imagine rebuking Jesus like that? He was a little overconfident in himself. Fearful. Jesus himself said, you're all going to flee. You're all going to flee. He had sat there in their teaching and he had told them exactly what was going to happen, though they didn't comprehend it all. He says, I am going to be turned over into the hands of men. And he says, I want you to, to listen. He said it this way, let these words sink into your ears. And they didn't get it. They didn't understand his teaching. You ever use that as an excuse? God, if I only understood more. He didn't tell you to understand more. He said, follow me. Follow me. The disciples didn't have their act together, probably any better than you and I. And they changed the world. Matter of fact, any of you ever wish and think these thoughts, boy, I'd like to get even with them. Or I hope God gets even with them. There was one day when Jesus was doing some teaching, and he was doing some teaching with the Samaritans who weren't exactly uh, good friends of the Jewish people. And it's surprise of all surprises. It says the Samaritans weren't receiving them, weren't receiving his teachings. So what happens? James and John, and I always think of sweet little John. He was always the disciple that Jesus loved, right? What did they do? They said, God, I mean, Jesus, they aren't listening to you. Would you like us to do like Elijah did and did and call down fire from heaven and just kill them all. <laughs> These are the 12 disciples. We aren't different than them. They aren't different than us. But God didn't say, deal with that vengeful attitude. Get rid of that pride. Come on, get rid of that fear. Go learn a little bit more. Get a little bit smarter. He didn't tell him to do all these things. And then he said, and then come back to me. No, he just simply said, follow me. These guys had a great attitude. It was just bad. We can have that same kind of attitude, and we start to disqualify ourselves. What's my point in going through the disciples? It's simply this. We should be encouraged. We should be encouraged when we look at the disciples. If you or I have struggled to be followers of Jesus, and I would say that's pretty likely for most all of us. Be encouraged. Jesus knows that. As a matter of fact, he knew it before he called you. He knew you were going to mess up. He even knows how you're going to mess up this afternoon and tomorrow. And he still called you. To what? Follow him. The disciples weren't perfect, but this one thing they did do. They followed him. They followed him. They messed up along the way, but they followed him. They were Christ followers. So that's the call for us that we can renew. Because really what 2017 is, whatever New Year's Day is every day, really it's just kind of like one of those things that's kind of like a benchmark. You know, today looks a lot like yesterday. All we did was had to buy new calendars. We flipped to the next page. You know, that doesn't change when we look at it that way, but it's like a benchmark. And I think it's good to have those benchmarks. And today is New Year's Day, 2017. 
Let this be a day, a benchmark that says, I am going to seize the moment starting now. I'm going to seize the moment starting today. I am going to do whatever the Lord would lead me to do to be a better follower of him. I'm going to get my eyes off of all this other peripheral stuff of the world, though it may be good in lots of cases. And I'm also going to get my eyes off of the good things that probably or maybe at least are God, and I'm just going to get them on him. Because when I, my eyes stay on Jesus, we will discover all the other things that he has for us. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're good plans. They're not disastrous plans. They're going to prosper you. I know what they are. And when you start praying to me, I'm going to listen. I love it. He says, I'm not just going to hear. He says, I'm going to listen. And then all this will take place as you search me and seek me with all your heart. Now, that's Old Testament prophecy to a specific group of people. Does it go for us? I think it goes for us and beyond We now have the whole New Testament filled with the promises of God. He has revealed to us so much more of his good plans that he has for us. I believe it holds true for us today, just like it did for the exiles. And if you're in here and you don't even know God yet, you don't even know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, in a sense, you are truly an exile. You are not part of the family of God. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you then may follow him. So often, as Christians, we assume, or as religious people, we assume. I want to read a scripture because I want to go faster. Matthew, familiar story, I think. Chapter 4, verse 18 through 25. And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. You know what? There was a promise. He had a plan for them. I'm going to make you into fishers of men. But unless you do what? Come, follow me. You are never going to become those fishers of men. Come, follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed him. At once they just said, I'm in. Follow me. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought him to and people brought to him all who were ill with diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them all. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. I read those last two verses because I thought, holy smokes, would I have liked to have been there to have seen all that in the last two verses. What an adventure They were called to. The greatest adventure of their whole life was in the two words, follow me. And when they responded and followed him, they took off on an adventure that was not boring. I get so frustrated with people who think being a Christian is boring. As a matter of fact, in my little world, I would add that to the lists 
of questions that I would ask to discover if someone's truly saved. If you're truly saved and following Jesus, life is not boring. It is an adventure. Don't you love it when you get some guest speaker in and they start talking about all the amazing things they've been part of God doing? They laid hands on the sick and they saw him healed. They, they've seen eyes open. They've seen ears opened. They've seen skin disease disappear just like that. They've led hundreds to the Lord. Don't you love those stories? Well, guess what? They followed Jesus. And they did whatever he asked them to do. What did Jesus say to do? Go into the world. Heal the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out demons in my name. And on that day, when you want to raise somebody from the dead, go for it. It's all him anyway. It's an adventure. Does adventure have scary moments? Yes. Does adventure include failures? Yes. All of these things will take place. But what is, what is our simple call? Follow me. Follow me. So how do we do it? If it's so doggone simple, Mike, how do we do it? How do I follow him? Let me give you a couple of things as I get ready to close in the next number of minutes. How is that? How do I forsake the old life and begin to live the new life? Because that's the key. First is simply this. Realize that Jesus is calling you to follow him. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. He's calling you to follow him. And when you follow him, it is going to be a life of adventure. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone, but you are going to have stories to tell, testimonies to share, things that you will be able to minister life to other people to because of the things the Lord has walked you through. So you've got to realize first, it sounds so simple, but you are called to follow him. It's a call to leave behind the old things, the old stuff, the old way of life, and live a new way. Two, seize the moment. You know, I hope and I trust even right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us in here and he's pointing out some things in our life. And he's stirring something up inside of us. My advice is simply this. Seize the moment. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. If he's, if he's causing you to think of some things that you need to do differently, Focus on those things. Seize the moment. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus doesn't ask you to wait until you get your act together. He doesn't wait until you get smarter. He doesn't tell you to do all these different things first. He just says, follow me. It's a chance of a lifetime. It is a chance of a lifetime. Somebody in here may not know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is the chance of a lifetime for you to accept the invitation to follow him. Accept him. Accept what he did on the cross. Accept forgiveness of your sins and let your life become totally different. Number three, recognize the parts of your life that need to change. There are parts of our lives that need to change. And he doesn't say change them, then follow me. He says follow me and then we'll work on it together. One of the reasons he gives us the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. You know, there are certain things that needed to change. Matthew was a tax collector, despised and hated as all other tax collectors. 
When Jesus called him, he simply said, follow me. He got up out of his office, his tax booth, whatever it was, and just walked away. Now, some of you would say, boy, I wish he'd call me away from my job just like that. But he just walked away. But if Matthew would have continued to be a tax collector in the tax collector mode, cheating people, charging more taxes, stuff in his own pockets, he wouldn't have been following Jesus. The Holy Spirit would change him. Remember the story of Zacchaeus, another tax collector, the one who climbed the tree so he could see Jesus? And Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house today. And Zacchaeus says, wow, Lord, if I have cheated anybody, I will give them back four times what I cheated them of. And I will give, I forget, was it a fourth or half of my wealth to the poor? There are some things in our life that need to change as we follow him. But as we follow him, the Holy Spirit will show us. And you know what the key to that that response is? Repentance. God, forgive me. I didn't even see sin that way before. I didn't see it that way. Thank you for showing it to me. I repent. I confess it as sin. My attitude towards it changed. And I demonstrate, listen to this part, I demonstrate that my attitude towards sin has changed because I started acting differently. I quit doing those things. And the beautiful thing here is, it's not about works in the flesh. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. He will give us the grace to respond. And he will empower us to change. Isn't that awesome? So we need to recognize what the Holy Spirit is showing us. Repentance is a crucial step in following Jesus. It's not about getting our sins forgiven. They're already forgiven if we're a Christian. Right? They're already forgiven. It's about acknowledging, you know what? I see it differently now. I repent and confess that that was wrong, and now I'm going to follow you. Follow Jesus. Four, don't let anything or anyone stop you from following Jesus. There's a tough one, isn't it? I I still look at, you know, you need to look at the four different Gospels to kind of get the whole picture, but I'm still amazed when I see these two brothers out there fishing with their father, Zebedee. And Jesus says, follow me, and it says, they just got out of the boat, left their nets, left their dad, and went and followed him. Nothing was going to stop them from following Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us these things, but in my imagination, I wonder, I wonder what the dad was thinking. Two things. It's the, Boys, what the heck are you doing? Luke does tell us that he had servants there with him, so he's probably a good fisherman. But the other side of that coin is, wait a minute, you're going with this guy, I'm going too. I don't know why he didn't. But we know those two immediately left. You know, when you decide to follow Jesus, if you seize the moment today and you say, you know what, I'm going to start following Jesus like I've never followed him before. Holy Spirit, do whatever you need to do. Lead me, guide me, rebuke me, whatever you need to do, I'm going to follow Jesus. It is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. There's a reason God tells us, count the cost. It's going to cost you friends. If you got saved and your lifestyle changed, I guarantee you've lost a few friends, at least from their perspective. It may cost you family members who think you're a lunatic. You went off the deep end. You are no longer fun. 
it's going to cost you something. He may ask you to give up something that you've carried a long, 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 long time, like addictions. Who wouldn't want to give that up? I believe we start following Jesus. And following Jesus, we will see deliverance in greater and greater ways. It's twofold. Don't let anything stop you from following Jesus. Are you a follower of Christ? A better way to say is, are you a Christian? Because a Christian is a follower of Christ. What is a Christian? It's someone who's been forgiven of their sin, first and foremost. We need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and become a follower of Christ. You can't become a follower of Christ unless your sins have been forgiven and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you have been forgiven of your sin and you haven't made the decision to become a true follower of Christ, we've really missed one of the main points of salvation. He calls us to follow him. Relationship, intimacy. It is his desire that none should perish, but he wants fellowship and relationship. Follow him. And if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, even though your sins have been forgiven, I'll bet you this is true. You have discovered how hard it is to break those things that you know you want to get rid of and need to get rid of, but you keep going back to the old way of life. It takes a commitment. It takes a decision to become a follower of Jesus. 2017, whatever else it holds, it holds a whole bunch of potential for each one of us. For each one of us to take stock and and realize that Jesus truly is calling you and the moment to seize is that moment you realize he's calling you to be a follower. Don't waste time. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it the next day. Do it at that moment. Do it now. Respond to the Holy Spirit quickly. You know, we sometimes act like repentance is a horrible thing. Repentance is a great thing. The horrible part of it comes when we're agonizing whether we should or not. As soon as it's, it's already forgiven, and the only one dealing with it really is me. I just want to repent and say, God, I, re- I realize, thank you for giving me a new vision for what that thing is. It's sin in your eyes. I'm going to follow you. Whew, there. Breath of fresh air. Breath of life. And no matter what, I, I guarantee you, whether it's us as a church or you as individuals, the moment we put our stake in the ground, the rock, Jesus, and decide to follow him, you are going to have all kinds of opportunities to be thrown off track. The enemy does not want that. He does not want this. Just think, whatever the disciples were, and we will look at what we do know about them from Scripture, they were just a bunch of young guys with a lot of issues. But they followed Jesus. It cost them everything. Eventually it cost almost all of them, a martyr's death. But the scripture says, and one of my favorite lines is, hey, these guys are here that have turned the world upside down. Wouldn't it be awesome if that is what we had to deal with when people said, oh, you go to Victory Church? 
That's that church that turned southwest Minnesota upside down. Cow, wouldn't that be awesome? It can happen. Somebody's going to do it. We might as well cooperate with the Lord and let him use us. But we need to seize the moment and go for it. Let's close in prayer. Lord, everything I've said this morning will require grace. Grace, grace, grace. The grace of God in our lives. The grace of God moving through us. God, your grace enabling us and empowering us to change. Your grace that leads to salvation through faith. Lord, I pray this morning that, that you would move in each one of our hearts. Capture our hearts in a greater way. Lord, when we've gotten our eyes off of you and onto your stuff, bring us back to you. God, that our first and primary focus would be to follow you. And to follow you, we need to know you better. God, give us a passion and a hunger for your word. Give us revelation from your word that your Holy Spirit would just bring it to life. God, I praise you and thank you that you are preparing a people and you are preparing us for the potential that's going to be released in 2017 right here in southwest Minnesota. God, we pray and we receive your call to follow you. Glorify yourself in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.